Welcome to the Umpiring Fast Pitch Softball Podcast. I'm David. I'm Pete. And today we are going to discuss pregame and postgame procedures. And today we're going to concentrate, Pete, on Federation, uh, the, the mechanics manual for NFHS. Yep. Tis the season. It is. So uh, I've got a couple of different times uh, that we want to do some, some things for pregame here before the day of the game. And it could be two days before, just depending on how busy you are. You might not have an opportunity... You know, if you're doing back-to-back days, you've got rainouts being rescheduled, that kind of thing. But I think it's really important that for any high school game, in middle school game, and school game at all, I guess, to confirm the game time and the site with not only the school, but also your partners. Yep. And one of the things that I found is, of all the things we're going to discuss, I feel like this is the one a lot of people fall down on the most. Because I found this season, I'm generally someone who's reaching out to my partners before the day. And if I don't do it or I let it go, no one ever reaches out to me. So I don't know that people think about this as something that's valuable. But I think that the the pre-day reach out is very important as far as just coordinating uniforms and coordinating responsibilities. I like to know in advance. I mean, for something even as crass as, do I put my cup on going so that way I don't have to put it on at the field. I dress before I get there. You know, so... Knowing that kind of thing is helpful. Yeah, exactly. I'm definitely that way. If there's a if there's a time that I know that I'm the plate first, uh, I likely will show up wearing the right type of undergarment. Whether mm-hmm. the cup is in there or not, you know, that's yeah. something different, but uh, for sure. So, the, I, and you mentioned it, coordinating the uniform with your partner in uh, here in Ohio. You know, we've got some uh, some defaults. The OHSAA set out defaults for us. So this is what we're supposed to be wearing. You see a lot of umpires that are doing baseball as well, so we see some charcoal pants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if, if both of the umpires agree to wear charcoal pants, they certainly can do that. But you, you definitely want to make sure that you're dressed alike uh, before you show up to the site. I, I witnessed the game this year, just went to watch as a fan to see some people that I know play, and the umpires were actually wearing different color pants. There was heather behind the plate and charcoal on the bases. And it's that's just a plain example that... I mean, I guess it's not impossible that they coordinated, and the other guy said, I don't have Heather pants, and the other guy said, I don't have charcoal pants. It's possible. Possible, yeah. but and likely they probably just didn't communicate. Yeah, it could be. And uh, I'll tell you, we have to be a bit tolerant. Uh, I hate this piece right now, but here in central Ohio, there's a, a huge shortage of umpires. Yeah. And so uh, we may have to become a little bit tolerant to something like that, where we've got a baseball guy that only has charcoal. And I can tell you that uh, until I started looking at an NCAA schedule, I didn't have any charcoal pants. You know, all of my pants are Heather, uh, primarily because most of my umpiring was uh, Federation or OHSAA. Uh, Ohio, you know, high school ball or USA softball. Those yeah. Those Heather pants. Yeah. yeah sure. Or Navy, which doesn't fit. To Correct. High yeah, school. No Navy. Yeah. And then, by the way, Navy are my favorite. Uh, yeah. USA they look sharp. Well. When I've worn them before, I wore them to, I was doing what amounted to kind of a, a slightly above rec league in town. And I decided to wear the blue because my, uh, my Heather were, were dirty. And I wore the blue out there and I had my shirt. And I came out and the guy was like, oh, you look sharp. What, I didn't, why do we, why, what's the occasion that we get you dressed up today? Yeah. And I didn't even think about the fact that that might look nicer, a little more presentable. And oftentimes, sure. at least for USA, when it's a nationals, they do require the blue, or the navy. Yeah. Probably because. And the white of, shirts. Yeah, yeah. Probably because it does look nicer. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, it's like Tiger wearing red on Sunday. Yeah. Right? So if you make it to championship Sunday, uh, your umpires are going to look uh, going to look sharp out there. I love the white shirt too, uh, USA softball. But hey, back to our topic for today, uh, NFHS. 
and uh, what what you should do the day before. So we talked about talking with your with your partner, getting a hold of your partner. Make sure that they've got your cell phone number that you guys are texting back and forth, uh, any last minute things. So, but you also need to be calling the school's athletic office. Make sure that they know you're aware of your assignment and also to make sure that they have your contact information. It's amazing here in Ohio in April, we've had 80 degree weather the next day. We had 45 and, and lightning, uh, with sleet, you know, coming yeah. sideways. So, um, the, I can tell you from coaching experience that the coaches want to do everything they can to get the games in and they'll work with their field maintenance crew. They'll work with all of it and they don't even make the call until two o'clock, uh, in a lot of the, a lot of the school systems here in central Ohio. So at 2 PM, they'll make the final determination as to whether they're going to try to get it in or not. And you need to make sure that the school knows how to get a hold of you for sure. But also Pete, there's some other things that you want to make sure of. If you're unfamiliar with the site, you want to confirm the address and any instructions for getting to the field. I think about um, the one that's, is that Reynoldsburg, I think it is, uh, yeah. out there. Yeah, and then Hayes as well. There's a local school, Delaware. Their JV field is not at the high school. The JV field is at an elementary school that's probably a mile away. Or I had one in a Columbus City school this, um, this week, actually, where the field is a mile and a half away actually near an elementary school and even getting in is difficult figuring out which gate i looked at it i looked up on google maps i confirmed the address i looked at it on satellite tried to figure out where i'd get in i it did not have it quite right i pulled into what was a spot i came through there was a fence blocking you can't walk through from the baseball field to the softball field area even though the sidewalk is contiguous the fence stops you so i literally had to ask the baseball coach but because i was aware that this was a unfamiliar situation and i had tried to contact uh, the AD and stuff, and he never got back to me. The baseball coach got me, and I got sorted out, and I was in the right place. And I was still there over 30 minutes early because I knew it was a problem. So I arrived at the site 50 minutes early with the expectation that I was going to wander around clueless for a minute and figure out my way in. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned parking. That's an important piece, too. Mm -hmm. uh, you also need to understand about uh, whether there's an umpire room at the facility. Yeah. So in the high schools, often the, the softball fields, baseball fields are not really close to the, the main building for the school. And so the, the opportunity to go into a locker room or something like that is kind of rare for us. And that's an important thing to understand uh, because we mentioned you know messing around with our cup or wearing the proper undergarments, but we certainly don't need umpires standing around in their BBDs or tidy whities in the parking lot. Right. Uh, we want to be careful about that. So that, that being done, though, you know, you, you've gone out, you've talked with the AD or, or maybe even the secretary in the office just to make sure that they know that you're there. Make sure that they know that uh, you are aware of your assignment and that you will be there. So once we're at the site, there's pregame procedures to handle with your, with your partner. And the first one from the book says to review new rules. So Pete, were there any new rules for 2023? Yeah, there's quite a few. None of them are earth shattering, but they are things that could be embarrassing actually if you get them wrong. So talking about them is not a bad idea. One of them is a rule that changed the color restrictions on glove. It used to be that gloves could only be two colors, uh, but now it says that the, there are no more restrictions on the color restrictions on a glove, including the laces and the seams, uh, but it just can't have any part of it that matches the color of the ball. There's a rule uh, removing the prohibition of jewelry. So now we don't have to sit there and be the jewelry police and figure out if the girl has something in or doesn't and look in the batting helmets and look in the field, check hair, check headbands, whatever it is. And some of the other rules are 
Just clarifications on batter runner interference on a fly ball over foul territory. A rule about scoring that is not too much with us, but has to do with if a home run ends the game, how do you score those runs? Uh, and another one about if a fair batted ball over fair territory, if an offensive player interferes, what happens? So just some clarifications there and some good things to know, because while those things may not come up every game, if they do, you definitely don't want to get caught unaware. Sure. So Pete, you and I had a discussion last week. Uh, I was mistaken about uh, a rule in different rule sets, and it was actually about one of the things you just mentioned there, and it was a uh, a fly ball to the infield, and if there was interference from a runner. So that, that would obviously make an assumption that there's a runner on base already, Yep. and the batter becomes a batter runner when they strike the ball, and it is a fly ball in the infield. And let's assume for a minute the runner was at first, and that runner contacts the second baseman who is trying to make that play on that fly ball. Who's what? What's the situation there? What happens? Yeah. So in NFHS, you have an immediate dead ball and an out. The runner who contacted that fielder, uh, R1 in this case, is out, and the batter runner is awarded first. So that's what happens in Federation ball or high school ball. What yeah. happens if it's USA softball? So in USA softball. Both out, I believe. That's correct. Yeah. So you actually get two outs. You get uh, it's specified in the rule book, the USA rule book, that uh, on a fly ball to the infield, if there is interference. Now, would be fun to see interference on a fly ball to the outfield, but they did specify in the <laughs> yeah. rule, you know, a fly ball to the infield if there is interference uh, for the with the player that is is trying to make that catch in the infield. That not only would the, the, the runner that interfered be out, but also the batter runner would be out as well. So again, though, but back to uh, back to Federation and, and pregame, once we're at the game site, the, uh, the next thing in the book that it says to talk about is foul line coverage and dead ball area coverage. So this one is, is kind of interesting to me and near and dear to my heart. We, we work a lot of two-man here in, in Central Ohio for yep. sure. Uh, certainly, when before we get to the, the to the tournament season, and um, in that two man, we also very rarely go out. The base umpire very rarely goes out on a fly ball. So the uh, and this mechanic is different in some of the other sanctions, and it's certainly different if you're working three man crew or four man crew. So, but typically we're in a two man crew here, and so here in Ohio, Pete, how do we handle that usually for? Uh, a fair fly, fair foul fly ball. Yeah, so the plate umpire takes all fair uh, ball responsibilities, fair foul responsibilities. I honestly feel, given the mechanics, he is in the best position to see that, he or she, um, by being able to line themselves up right down that line and see where it lands. And if a ball goes to the outfield anyway, the traditional mechanic is that that base umpire is hooking inside the diamond. So they're going to have their back to it anyway if they're hustling to where they should be. And having to worry about, oh, is this ball possibly a ball that could be a trouble ball? And think about that before you start running. I think that gets you out of your mechanics and gets you kind of um, maybe not in position or second guessing or out of step or out of sync with your partner when it's just easier. And this is what the discussion is, right, that we're saying to have before the game is that we want to clarify as a plate umpire, I'm going to have all fair foul and we're going to move from there. Yeah, absolutely. So I had a, uh, I had a, a, a problem with this one time at a, at a national where uh, we're working a two-man, not we weren't on championship day, and this particular tournament uh, only had enough umpires for two people. And I was the base umpire, and during our pregame, the the plate umpire asked me to go out on any trouble ball. 
Yeah. And um, I, I got stuck. It was an embarrassing time for me, quite frankly. So I had a fly ball over my head that um, nobody on base. And I thought, oh, is that ball at the, is it, tr- yeah. uh, oh. and the next thing you know, the ball is in her hand and she's trying to make a throw. And I'm sideways to it, and I don't have any idea what the heck just happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, in between innings, I went to the plate umpire and said, "Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I know you do that in your in your area uh, of the country, but uh, we don't do that in Ohio. You took me out of my uh, took me out of my comfort zone, and I really messed up. So, it's important to talk about those things pregame, and it's also important to get uh, to to get up, become on the same page. If you've got something that you're uncomfortable with. Yeah. And, and it's an okay thing in the mechanic to do it the way you are comfortable with. Right. Really advocate for that and say, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do that because I've, I've been stuck before or whatever. You want to make sure that you're, again, the reason we're here is to provide a good product to the girls so that they have a fair competition. And if we're going to mess up because, you know, we're not used to doing it that way, we shouldn't, we should probably shouldn't agree to do that. So the next one is to review pitching and illegal pitch rules and who's responsible for what calls. This is definitely a good one because yeah. uh, sometimes umpires forget who's got the feet, who's got the hands, that kind of thing. So if you're the base umpire, Pete, what are you what are you looking for? Um, generally, the feet is my concentration is to make sure that uh, because I have the better angle, then especially when I'm in, in A or even C positions to be able to see their feet and where they're at. Are they are they on the do they have a foot securely on the pitcher's plate? Um, do they do any kind of leaping or uh, replanting? So we had an issue yesterday with a pitcher who would who was effectively replanting because after she rocked back, she took a step forward with, uh, with that back leg and was probably four inches closer to the plate when she pushed off. Um, and then we so we had to call that. And but that was something you could not see from the plate because it was so because it's coming right at you is imperceptible and you couldn't see was she just into the the front part of the pitcher's plate or did she actually move and then so usually then the base umpire or the plate umpire would then have anything at the hands the things you want to typically watch for that and obviously either umpire could call either violation but typically you're watching that anyway because you're trying to see the ball come out of the pitcher's hand and to the plate so that's the area you're watching anyway you're watching that tunnel and then you would it's easy for you to then see is she doing anything illegal with the way she's delivering the ball with her hands not coming set or, or anything else. Yeah, so the elbow, um, yeah. you know, closer than the wrist mm-hmm. type kind of thing is, is something we're looking for there. Uh, the, the pitching lane, you know, in a lane right. violation. Now in high school here in Central Ohio anyway, we don't, uh, we don't, we chalk, don't the lane. chalk those lanes there, but it still exists. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like a batter's box that's gotten wiped out, you know, in the fourth inning, you know, it still exists. Yeah. And uh, what happens though, and, and I don't, I don't think you see this in the in the federation book. Uh, you certainly see it in the NCAA rule book, though. Anything uh, that is is questionable goes to the batter. So you, you need to make sure that the like the batter's box is wiped out. It has to be crystal clear that she's out of what would have been the batter's box. Right? Yeah. You can't leave any. Uh, you can't leave anything to to guess there. So that's a good one. We're also looking for the pitcher to be have their hands separated when they step onto the pitcher's plate yeah and then once they bring them together after as soon as they separate that starts the pitch so if they put them back together again that's illegal uh if they don't deliver the ball you know that's an illegal pitch and the simulation of taking the sign is a big one that we've had i've had to address a couple times this year is a lot of times pitchers now either through blue 47 and then checking a pitch card or checking a wristband um that's when they're actually getting the signal 
uh, behind the pitcher's plate, but the rule still requires them to get on the pitcher's plate and simulate at least taking that signal before bringing their hands together for that one second. And that's one that it doesn't hurt to definitely talk about that one pregame because I think that's one certain people either don't call or maybe you're confused about. So it doesn't hurt to bring that up. It's a fantastic point. We actually had this happen to us in a game two weeks ago. And when I say us, I'm talking about Otterbein University softball. So we're talking about NCAA yeah. Division Three softball with a very experienced umpire is uh, on the bases. And our pitcher is the is the offender in this case. So to speak. Uh, she likes to stand behind the pitcher's plate and receive the sign from our catcher, who is a traditional, you know, fingers between the knees type of, of sign producer. And so she stands, the pitcher stands behind the pitcher's plate, takes the sign, steps onto the pitcher's plate, sets her back foot. We'll talk about that one here in just a second. Sets her back foot, takes a deep breath, brings her shoulders up, relaxes her shoulders, and then delivers the pitch. And our very experienced umpire, who is now on the bases, this is game two, um, so he's now, now on the bases, um, sticks the arm out, says, verbalizes, illegal, and the play continues. That's a delayed dead ball. Yes. You know, so play continues. Um, happened to be a ball, so no harm, no foul. But um, instead, she has to take the sign while standing on the pitcher's plate. Not yeah, correct. That is, that is an incorrect statement. He and I had a, a, a nice conversation, a, and it was a very nice conversation, where he actually, you know what, they, it wasn't directly with me at first. So he had a conversation with our head coach, Bruce Anderson. Who is a pitching specialist. Who is a, yeah, is, is actually a pitching coach um, as well as the, you know, an in, individual uh, pitching coach as well as the, the head coach at Otterbein University. But uh, they had the initial one with the plate umpire. So now we've got two umpires and the head coach there. And um, I got called into it by the umpire that made the call. He said, uh, hey, Coach Trout, come here. And so, you know, down onto the, the conversation I entered, and he said that again. And I said, well, that's actually not true. She can, act, she can take the sign from anywhere uh, and from anywhere, by the way, and from anyone. Right. So she can take it from the dugout. She can take it from the catcher. She can take it from the shortstop for all that, that goes. But she does have to, after she steps on the pitcher's plate, have to pause and simulate taking the sign. So I think there's been some confusion in the past with simulate taking the sign. What does that mean? I have You have to be able to see in her eyes that she saw something right. and nodded. Or, no, <laughs> right, it's right, nothing right. like that. It's trying to to stop them from quick pitching, right? Yeah. Just step on the rubber and throw the ball. Yeah. Right? And that's an stop. easy, it's an easy guideline to consider is, does she look like, if someone was watching, would you assume that she took a sign? Because no one could step on the pitch plate and immediately deliver the pitch in less than half a second and have seen the fingers or seen you know, a, a play call to the to the card or something. There's no way. So it gives you a good, just a good indicator of was enough time taken. Yeah, for sure. Now, to this umpire's credit, I got a text after and said, yep, looked it up. You were right. Uh, which is, you know, always yeah. a good thing. Well, and that's why he's a good experienced umpire that you obviously respect. So. Yeah, very much so. Yep, very much so. So now let's talk about that foot back. Um, so we're talking about federation here and pitching regulations. Uh, I can remember not too long ago, both feet had to be touching the pitcher's plate. Yeah. So the, the, the pivot foot is on the front of the plate and the non-pivot foot or the back foot um, had to be touching the pitcher's plate. Is that still the case here in, in Federation? Nope, no longer. They changed that rule, I think, maybe 2020, I okay. think it was, um, where only one foot had to be on there and the other foot still had to be within the, the confines, the width of the plate, as you would imagine it, but it could be off. Okay. Can they step back when they start their pitch? Yes. Okay. 
So they can, in federation ball, high school ball, they can step back at the start of the pitch. So mm-hmm. as they, as they're getting ready to ramp up and, and really deliver that ball home, they can take a step back. Yeah. Um, now in college, that is, that is not true. So in the NCAA rule set, uh, they can start back, but they may not step back. So kind of so, loaded as yeah, you're doing Yeah, so they can kind of load. Yep, exactly. So they can load backwards, and then once they start the pitch, if they step back again, that again becomes an illegal pitch, and that's a delayed dead ball. That same thing's true also in USA softball and um, U-Trip as far as, I'm, as far as I know. Don't quote me on that one. Go ahead and hit me up on the blog if I mess that one up. Yeah. We can look it up later. So next, and we're going to have to get through these because, you know, this is going to be an a hour-long session here if we don't. Um, Tag-up responsibilities, missed base coverage, and uh, the appeal procedure. So this one is going to make me pontificate a little bit too, but... <laughs> Um, who's got tag ups? Could, you know, can you discuss a little bit about if I'm working a two man crew? Yeah. Um, who's got tag ups when there's nobody or when there's one person on base or when there are, are more multiple? Yeah. As far as far as I understand, I think technically doesn't the base umpire have all tag up responsibilities? And this is kind of something you'd want to discuss then is to understand the difference because if the uh, the plate umpire has the catch no catch responsibility, their focus is out. In the outfield, in this in this case, we're imagining for a tag up, people could tag up the infield, but that's not probably what we're talking about. So fly ball to center field, the um, the plate umpire's focus is center field. Maybe they can see second base in that case and, and kind of see what was there, assuming there was a runner there. But in reality, the base umpire, I think, is the one that should be checking feet um, to to see where they're at. But that's where I don't know. So actually, Pete, I had to I had to get the manual out and to remember these. There's a table. It's on uh, page 40 of the softball umpires manual. This is the one for 2022 and 2023. Okay. And the table there. So runner at first base only is the base umpire. Runner at second base only is the base umpire. However, runner at third base only, the responsibility then becomes the plate. And at that point, and from there forward, no matter what the runners are, the plate umpire has the lead runner, and the base umpire has all other runners. So yeah, so that's that is that is obviously in the umpires manual, and what that tells me is, um, I have not been pre-gaming this with at least umpires who knew that to talk about it, right? So then, because I was unfamiliar, but I find that I find that to be difficult. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but like if I'm watching even, let's say for instance, a fly ball to right field, the thing that we care about the most, the runner most likely to tag is the runner at third. So now the plate umpire has the two most important responsibilities according to the manual, to which is the tag up at third the and then the catch, whereas the base umpire is watching first and second, which I mean, there is value there because then assuming everyone in the park is looking at the third base runner and the catch, the other people have room to have cheated, you know, so looking at that is important, but it, that seems to be, I don't know, putting the plate umpire in a bad position. I think, do you, how do you, how do you feel about that? Well, I definitely agree on anything to right field. That's going to be a tough thing for the umpire. Pre-game discussion. Yeah. That sounds like a pre-game discussion for sure. And, um, as we get through the rest of these bullet points from the manual, there's another topic here from Pete and David for our session today or for our, our episode today to talk about planning deviations. So I think that might be a good topic yeah. for that section. So let's move on to check swing mechanics. Uh, that one's pretty simple. Yeah. So, you know, if, if the catcher asks, uh, certainly uh, we believe that you should pull your mask off, step out from, you know, behind the catcher, pull your mask off, point to your partner and ask the question. Now, I, I use, did she go? 
Yeah. That's what that's what I use when I'm the plate umpire. When I'm a base umpire, I will say no, she did not, and give indicate safe give the safe indicator, uh, or yes, she did, and give the strike uh, indication. Those that's what I use. Um, I might get yelled at for that, but is that not um, the indicator? That- I don't. That's not specified uh, to that level of detail in the in the manual. So, you see anything different than that? No, that's typically what I do as well. The same indications. Um, I find that when I'm on base, being asked for that. You and I had this discussion during your after I was watching one of your college games. Actually, is if there's a right-handed batter and the umpire is in C, the likelihood of him calling a strike that the plate umpire did not see, like so, the plate umpire did not think she went right because he did not call it, and then we appeal to the base umpire, the only base umpire, two man, at C, and the fact that he thinks she went, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's a hard sell. It's obvious. I mean, Maybe there's something. Maybe the base umpire blinked. I mean, the plate umpire blinked and didn't see it, you know, and the and the base umpire did see it better, so it seems possible. But I feel like either A or B is the only time you're really going to get a, a good opinion on a right-handed batter or, you know, C or, you know, C prime or whatever you call it. Do you get the yeah. other side uh, over there on that side for uh, lefty? What do you think? Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. In fact, uh, we had that call happen, as you mentioned, and the uh, the umpire in C rung her up, and um, I, I don't believe I've ever seen it happen. And I certainly know that as a base umpire myself, um, I would I would have to restrain from chuckling uh, <laughs> if I were asked, because I think my answer it would have to be, "Oh my goodness, something something egregious happened, like the plate umpire just had a brain fart or something." Right. You know, it would have to be so obvious that she swung before I would say yes. Yeah, uh, maybe because, he got hit in the mask from the pit, you know, yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, there or... could be something like that. But otherwise, I'm, yeah, my answer is going to be no. I'm not. I'm not calling that from here. So. Yeah, and the the worst case scenario there is if your umpire, if your base umpire was not paying attention, and yes. you point at him and he does nothing, and he goes, "Well, yeah." And the worst part is to like do the whole shoulder yeah. shrug, right? I, yeah. I, I don't know. When you, you just got to go, no. Yeah, yeah. You, did, you did not see the check swing, therefore you did not call. Yeah, the exactly that. That's funny. Which, by the way, that's a good topic for discussion too. What is a check swing? You know, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you hear a lot of people will use old language like broke the um, wrists. Yeah, the wrists yeah. broke over. Um, the bat crossed the plate completely. Mm-hmm. The this, that, or the other. Um, in the rule book, and we'll we'll talk about this more specifically when we review the rule. But in the rule book, it has to do with intent to yes. strike the ball. Correct. You know, do we really believe that she intended to strike the ball, and then oh my gosh, stopped? And that's going to be a fun one to talk about because if she started her swing, isn't that the intent? You know, so right. we'll, we'll talk about that. It'll be yeah. it'll be a fun one to to debate. I'm sure. Uh, we'll go a lot more quickly here over these last few. Uh, keeping track of ball strikes, outs, and warm up pitches. So mm-hmm. the fact that they included that in the same bullet is is interesting to me. But uh, keeping track of balls and strikes, you take an indicator with you if you're the base umpire. I always do. Yes. Yeah, and it says to do so in the manual. What else do you take out as far as equipment goes? Uh, I usually depends. So if we're working NFHS, um, I don't take it with me on the bases necessarily, unless it's things are really dusty. But I do have a, a brush nearby. I don't go around as a habit cleaning off bases and stuff. But if something needed to clean, a pitcher's plate especially would be the one I'd be more concerned about. I have that, but usually just an indicator uh, on the on the bases itself. Yeah. Do we see base umpires clean off bases? I do. I see you it see actually it? quite a bit. I've yeah. seen, I've worked with a couple of people this year where the guy cleaned off the base and it wasn't, I, I don't know why he did it. I don't know what it was just habit. He could be OCD and he just likes to see those crisp lines and 
he wants to see the the texture of the base. Yeah. Um, but no, I I have never. I don't think I've ever cleaned off a base. I have cleaned off the pitcher's plate, um, but not the base. Just to be able to. In that case, it was to clearly define. It was becoming fuzzy as to where the edges of the pitcher's plate were for, regarding kind of potential pitching lane violations. And you couldn't see it. There was so much dirt getting heaped up kind of over the side of it. And I, I brushed that off. But even then, I don't think I've done that five times, yeah. ten times. Yeah, I'm curious. When I'm, I'm going to look this up off, off session or out of session. Um, I'm going to look it up just to be sure. I don't know what page it's on that says uh, the umpire is supposed to clean the bases. Um, smirking, and you can't yeah. see that on the podcast. I'm right. smirking because it's, it doesn't say that. Yeah, there was, we were talking about those Facebook groups last time. That was one that causes a lot of issue, and they have a lot of fun with it when they were talking about a situation, and they were like, the the base umpire has broken out his dirt devil and is cleaning off the base, <laughs> and so he doesn't see that occur, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So people have, it's, it's a, I think it's a divisive topic with some. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, a lot of times you see it on a stolen base. So you'll see, yeah. you know, the, the runner, so if you have the umpires in A, you know, he's going to be running over to C, you know, because we had a runner at first. She steals the base. She slides in. It's dusty. She covers the bag up. The umpire's running by, calls time, bends down, and cleans off the base. Um, I've had some of my mentors say, why on earth did you do that? Stop doing that. We're playing, playing ball here. Let's go. So I, I follow your rule yeah. pretty much, and I, I don't do it. Uh, the, I did mention, though, that I thought it was interesting that they included warm-up pitches on the same bullet. And um, I think that's an important distinction there because the, the tracking of the warm-up pitches, I prefer the base umpire to do that. And the reason is I'm most likely fumbling around with my, my lineup card and trying to make sure that the scorer has the, uh, has the change, you know, who's the new pitcher, uh, if there is a new pitcher and, right. you know, I might be, uh, verifying the scorebook. I might, you know, I've got some responsibilities to take care of as a plate umpire back there. And I would prefer that my base umpire kind of keeps track of that stuff for me. So yeah, that's, that's a good point because I didn't think about that aspect of it. Usually I know as a plate, I've, well, I've, I've certainly never talked about that in pregame with anyone like this year, as far as who would track warm-up pitches. And it is a point of emphasis this year. So this year, more than most, it would probably come up. But that does make sense because that actually happened, again, another rich, uh, rich goldmine of yesterday's games. Um, yesterday we had substitutions coming in and the pitchers were getting warm-ups and doing whatever. I'm sure they probably got more than five you know, because I was doing that. There was nothing else going on. The game was stopped. But really they should have been five throwdown in their minute ready to play. So when I walk back over, somebody's throwing a pitch in the next yeah, 20 seconds. Yeah, play ball, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right, so yeah, this is taking a lot longer than I expected it to. So this is going to be uh, this is a bonus episode essentially. Yeah. So uh, they all might be bonus episodes. We don't know. We haven't done enough yet. But <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I tend to you know get up on that soapbox sometimes. So uh, the next bullet is about uh, communications between partners, and it continues and says if you deviate, communicate. So uh, certainly you want to do that. Any deviations that happen during the game, these are there's lots of reasons for deviations to happen. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'm the plate umpire and I'm supposed to have third, but I fell down. Right. Um, also, maybe I'm the the plate umpire and I didn't pre game or pre pitch plan very well, and uh, that girl who stole second got up and ran to third, and um, I was just deer in the headlights, you know. And my partner, you know, maybe I'm working with with you, Pete, 
and you see that, oh, shoot, Trout dropped the ball on this one. Yeah. yeah Pete's going to yell, I got three, I got three. Yeah. And uh, that way, this is a very important thing to avoid two calls on the same play. Yeah, right? that's what so. you do not want, especially because you don't want them to be. It's okay if they're both out or both safe, but when they're opposite, <laughs> yes. that yeah. is bad. That's a bad thing. So, yeah. So, you definitely want to communicate when you deviate. But uh, one of the things that I learned in, in umpiring with some of the more experienced and advanced umpires and, and i'm saying it that way on purpose doing something for 30 years doesn't necessarily make you great at it if you did it wrong for 30 years so yeah. when i say advanced umpires i'm talking about the people that um you know are are, are they care a lot about the craft uh, they care about getting it right uh, and they they go to camps or they go to clinics they go you know they're, they're trying to constantly uh, improve their game if you will so these advanced umpires one of the things i learned was a lot more communication even though the mechanics manual says i've got third base on any uh, plate umpire i'm sorry has has third base on on any lead runner you know as, yeah, long, as, it's not the, as long as it's not the first play yeah uh, in the infield um oh, when, I'm, <clears throat> when i'm running down there as the plate umpire yeah. i'm yelling i've got three i've got three initially when i first started this and got all cocky and thought you know well, well i know the mechanics manual i would say why why would you yell that it's your job so you're t essentially telling me you're going to do your job Yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I am. Yeah, you work with enough people, you may be surprised. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I'm glad to glad to have made that adjustment. Um, I, and it I've doesn't hurt. It's a thing, one of those things where some people get frustrated with over-communication, where they don't want to hear, this is in the workplace or anything else too as well. But I almost feel like, especially with this, when you're working with people, a lot of times people you don't know, people you may work with once and not work with again for a year or more or never again in your life, you don't know them. You don't know their tendencies. And just to communicate, that's, I think that's worth something. Even if the thing you're communicating is my responsibility, there's a lot going on. You've got nine girls running around. They should be. Anyway, ba you know, base backup, you know, <laughs> the yeah. baseball backup. Um, you've got nine girls running around. You've got one to four runners, you know, batter runner and runners running around. You've got coaches in two coaches box, you know, moving around and waving their arms. You've got two umpires running around and waving. It's a lot going on. So yes, just right. to be able to yell and communicate and communicate well, don't, I got three, I got three. Yes. You know, yell yeah. so he can hear. And that's, yeah. I, I feel confident. It lets me be more confident with you that I know what's going on. And then if I know every time you're over there, I now know in my head, oh yeah, David's got three. Even though you're still saying it, when the play starts in my pre-pitch planning, I know I am absolutely certain David is going to have three here, right? With 95% certainty. So I can focus on my responsibilities and do this and that have myself in the best position to see that play at second because I'm not worried to third. I have my back to third even because I know you're there. You're, you yelled. I know you're there. I, I can ignore third for all intents and purposes and really focus on two and getting the best angle on that. Yeah, for sure. Especially if the play's going there, of yeah. course, right? That's, yeah. that's the important piece there. All right, we'll go a lot quicker through these last ones. Um, field ground rules, if, if you know them, you know you're going to go over them with your, with your partner. You would know them if you umpire at this site uh, frequently, but... Yeah. Um, be courteous, considerate, and professional, of course, at all times. That's with all people. That's with site directors. That's with uh, the coaches, with the players, especially the players, uh, that kind of thing. It also says to bring a brush, an indicator, ball bags, and plate umpire equipment if necessary. The uh, please, please, please take your ball bags off if you're going to be working on the bases. Base. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, definitely that. Arrive on the field in enough time to perform those duties. Now, why is it important to say on the field? Yeah. So, well, one, you don't want to, if the game starts at 515, 510 or 515, you don't want to be arriving in the parking lot. 
you need to, your jurisdiction starts from the time you enter the confines of the field. So you want to be on the field. You ideally, you may or may not walk it. Um, there's some people who said they're, they don't require that anymore or some of those things, but you definitely should be inspecting the field. Uh, you definitely want to know whether it's playable. While you don't decide if it is immediately playable, if the game will start, you may stop the game one pitch in if you don't feel if it's playable. That's when it's your jurisdiction to take that over. But you should have an idea what's going on. Are there holes and fences? What are the openings? And whether or not and you should know too, the ground rules will come from like the head coach or the site administrator may tell you, uh, we have this, we have that, we have the, this situation on the field. This is in play. This is not in play as, as we're indicating faces of dugouts or whatever. And, and so just so you know, but you may want to know that yourself in case you're given an incomplete report. You wouldn't have time to inspect those. You wouldn't have time to be on the grounds. Set your things up. Put your water ball up. Put your bag up. And uh, be able to have the, the pregame meeting in time but so that the game can start. Yeah, exactly. So now, just from us, we're going to pontificate just a bit. It's not going to be a lot. But um, from, from my perspective, I say do not plan deviations right. it, it's at all. So... And I think where that comes from for me is that I, I have my sights set on a few things. Um, mm. I want to be, uh, I want to become eventually once I have enough experience and am, and am uh, practiced enough in my craft. I would love to to rise to the rank of an, an elite USA umpire. I would really like to get that. Uh, that's that's one of my goals. Uh, it's also one of my goals to do a, a postseason NCAA game. So mm. it doesn't have to be, you know. Division one at Oklahoma City, you know, for the championship. But uh, you know, I'm 53 years old now, and and just kind of really getting started into the NCAA side of things. And so, you know, I've got those 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 goals, those lofty goals. And if you're doing that, you're being evaluated. Yes. Constantly being evaluated. Right. And what are you being evaluated with? Of course, your uh, ability to make a call. You know, how's your judgment? You know, had mm-hmm. um, the did you blow any calls at first base? You know, that kind of thing. Of course they're doing that. But it's a, that's a small portion of, of what you're being evaluated on. What you're actually being evaluated on is your ability to follow the mechanics manual. You right. know, are you doing it the same way? Because that's an important thing to, uh, to the coaches. Uh, it's an important thing to some fans that can pay attention to that uh, for sure. It's definitely important for the players. So I try really hard not to plan any deviations uh, to, the, to the mechanics manual. But there was one that was pointed out by, again, a very experienced uh, umpire. We were in a, in a clinic, I think it was, maybe a couple of months ago. And one of, the, uh, one of the experienced umpires said, hey, if there's nobody on base, I'm the plate umpire, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take third you know, with nobody on base. If that batter runner gets to third, I'm, I'm hustling my butt down there and saying, hey, I've got third. And the reason is um, that we're not all spring chickens. And yeah. uh, some of us, myself included, uh, are not quite as spry as we were in our younger years. And by manual, by the mechanics manual, you're to take that batter runner all the way to third base if, right. on a triple. And that's a lot of running. And uh, this, this umpire said, yeah, I'm not going to make my partner do that. I'm going to go down there and do it. So what do you think about that planned deviation? Is that, yeah. is that an that's, acceptable one for you? Yeah, that one's not bad. Uh, especially, so in a high school game, so NFHS, you have one game. You know, you may have a try, occasional trial, but typically it's one game and you are often going to be with enough energy and everything else to do that. And so I don't know, it might be all right for a high school one. I think that's, it's probably super valuable when I think about doing some of these tournaments, these invitational tournaments in the summer, when I'm doing eight games or seven games in a day, 
I will gladly be appreciative of saving me running half the length of the diamond on a triple, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. So I have to think about that one myself. And I, th I think what I might do uh, as I as I think about it moving forward is really kind of take a look at my partner. You know, mm -hmm. um, like I said, here in central Ohio, we, we're short umpires. And there are a few umpires out there that are very long in the tooth. And God bless them for being there and, and wanting to do the job for the girls. And they do a great job. But yeah, it's a long way. You know, right. if you're walking the line at first base and that girl hits a nice, uh, you know, floater peeler you know into the right field corner uh, and she's gonna go to third uh, yeah it might be helpful to him to to say hey i'm gonna take third you know yeah. on that particular thing so maybe I'm, i'll be okay with it you know given that situation if however i will say that if i'm the base umpire i will probably say no 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 i got it right <laughs> so um i had a really fun one i was at a, a national and uh this one was in ocean city maryland and was the base umpire and that exact thing happened. And so um, I practice and, and I do a really tight button hook uh, at first base. So I, I, you know, it's not this great big sweeping wide, you know, Nike swoop or whatever. It's, it's actually pretty, pretty tight. I probably pivot five or six, maybe seven feet from first base. Uh, mm -hmm. So I get in there and really get spun around quickly. And I saw the runner come and I saw where the ball went as I was coming in. I went, oh, that's going to be on If he doesn't yell foul ball, you know, this is going to be a, this is going to be definitely a double. And so I got, um, I got in there. I got, I got button hooked real well. I got about seven, eight feet inside the baseline and I'm parallel in that runner. And I hear the third base umpire yelling, come on, come on, come on. The third base coach. I'm sorry. The third base coach. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. The third base coach is yelling, come on, come on, come on. And I immediately went, oh no, <laughs> right? Because this little, I think it was, um, it was 16U, I think. And so these young ladies are fast. And like I said, I'm not quite as spry as I used to be. So um, I looked where the ball was quickly and saw that, oh yeah, the right fielder didn't have it yet. She's definitely going three. I stopped parallel with the runner and immediately ran diagonal mm -hmm. across, the, across the, uh, the diamond and got my left foot in the paint. And uh, that's a thing. So if you're if you're being evaluated and and you're, you're you get a triple and you're the base umpire you get that left foot in the paint mm -hmm. uh, and that you get points for that so <laughs> I made it all the way over there now I was huffing and puffing afterwards but, you know <laughs> I did make it yeah so, hope the next batter does not hit a triple yeah absolutely so I think we got to be pretty quick on this one uh, there's a post game also and mm -hmm. I think um, Pete what do you think the most important piece is on on a post game or, or just walk us through the steps maybe quickly yeah so on a post game you want to so the game's ended the final out has occurred uh, you don't want to hightail it out of there immediately you do want to take sufficient time on the field to make sure the defense does not have an appeal to make to you know that winning run across the plate maybe they want to appeal if she didn't touch home plate or something like that you've got to give them that time just hang around get your things together just take a minute. It seems like no appeal is coming. You get with your partner and together you walk off the field the way that is likely to have the least resistance, which typically is through the winning team's dugout. If that's you, or at least if the if the gate's further down the winning team's side. Uh, and then get out there with your partner, get far enough away from the field, and then stop and have a discussion, wrap up the game, talk about some things that were difficult plays maybe some things that weren't right, ask for evaluation. I ask every umpire I work with to give me some feedback and see what did he see, um, where maybe I didn't adhere to the mechanics well, or I, I blew a call um, where something was 
because I had it wrong. I was in the wrong place. I was in the wrong time. Something was wrong. And, and just talk to them about that. Give feedback back and forth and, and break down any rules that may have been in question in the game uh, and just kind of sum it up and make sure you uh, you leave it. It's all wrapped up. What if you get stopped on your way out by a parent? Oh, yeah, good point. Uh, you don't stop. <laughs> so if anyone wants to talk to you, the you imagine you're a celebrity and the no autographs, please kind of deal. You just say, as you're walking, you keep walking. People are talking to you. You ignore what you can, but if it's a someone comes up to you to talk to you, you say, I can't discuss that the game right now. I can't discuss that play right now. I can't this, that. Um, the, I think the manual even mentions media requests, which I've yet to have one after a high school game or a summer term. To, regardless of what the parents think at the uh, summer tournaments, the press is not there. ESPN is not there to discuss it, but <laughs> yeah, good but point. that it holds true. The manual does hold true. You're not talking about it to the media. You know, if it, if it is a high school tournament game, you may have some some papers there that may want to ask you about a play. I can think about the one that happened to, to Burwell in his game that probably in a couple of years ago where there was an obstruction call at the end of the game. Oh yeah, people probably wanted to talk about that, but you don't. You just keep going, and it's not something you discuss. If something's to be discussed at some later point, it's certainly not right after the game, and it's certainly not with just you having a free reign at the paper. Yeah. So during a, uh, we'll finish with this um, a cute little story. During a, one of the national tournaments that I was at, I was the base umpire. You know what? It was actually the play I just said where I had my left foot in the paint. Yeah. And um, the so I was right there, made the call. I saw what it was, and to be honest, I don't even remember now. Safer out, I don't recall. Um, but the I was right there. I had all the elements right there. So you know, I, I saw it. I got it right. I, no question in my mind. And I, actually, the the coach. Oh, so it must have been out because the the base coach wanted me to go to my partner, and um, I might have been a little bit of a smart aleck with him, you know, because I was in position, which means my partner was completely blocked, blocked. from third base. He couldn't see anything, you know. But I said, no, coach, I was blocking him, so he doesn't have anything. Uh, but I had all the elements of the play right here. I was in position. I had it all right in front of me. She was out, and uh, so now I do remember the specifics of it. It came to me, but. Uh, so as we're leaving, that was uh, close to the end of the game. And so as we're leaving, that team won. And so we go out through their dugout. And here comes mom with her camera, her video camera. And she's right up in my face and says, do you want to see that play at third? Do you want to see that? And um, I didn't handle it very well. Uh, I said, did I get it right? As I was walking and just, just, kept, just kept walking. Uh, yeah. Of course, she thought no. Uh, but uh, what, it really, what it really came down to is she had a, a still. She had a... a uh, not a movie, but she had a still that showed the uh, the runner's foot on the bag while the the tag was on her shin. You mean the thing that can happen as they slide through the tag to that's the exactly, bag? Yes, that's exactly what happened. So yeah. the tag had been put down in front of the base. The, the runner slid into the tag, and, and her momentum kept her going. And so now she's on top of the base, and, and you can see the thing there. So anyway, even mom you know, got that one right. wrong, but had a picture of it right, if you will. So anyway... That's pregame and postgame for uh, Federation High School um, Fast Pitch Softball. And uh, thank you for listening. Yep. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.